Hello, thank you for joining me today for Giving 15. And the title of today's post is Revival and Reformation Part 5. Let's review. God has told us that 2024 will be a year of revival and reformation. We must know what that is, what to expect. We've been looking at these two kingdom activities and the fact that they're linked to Yahweh's assignments to us through Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. Multiply his family and govern or manage his earth. Christ recommissioned the church to these assignments in, in Mark 16, 15 through 20 and Matthew 28, 18 to 20. In the first passage, he told us to multiply his family by preaching the gospel. In the latter, he instructed us to teach his commandments in order to disciple nations. We've also taught what occurs when we do not prioritize both of these assignments. And you can read about that and other points in the first four uh, parts, which I've given you links to. In yesterday's post, we discussed several differences between Mark 16, which produces revival, and Matthew 28, which leads to reformation. Today, we'll look at some more comparisons. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. The word build is oikotomeo, a compound word made of doma, which by itself means build, and oikos, meaning a household. Oikos referred to three related but distinct concepts, the family, the family's property, and the house. Zodiates says oikos includes the idea of household affairs and the lineage and posterity descending from one head or ancestor, as in the house of Israel or the house of David. Without question, Jesus was saying he came to recover God's family, to restore the household of God, and to establish a posterity and lineage flowing from himself. We are partnering with him in this endeavor of restoring to God his family. Think about that. Restoring to God his family. We partner with that when we fulfill Mark's commission. We're also participating in the process when we honor Christ's family. Proper relating, properly relating to and caring for one another. We are and must live as the household of faith. And yet, we're also a Congress. Christ didn't stop by calling us his family. I'm going to oikotomeo, build a household, but added that this household would also become his ecclesia, church. We've already established that in Christ's day, an ecclesia was a governmental, governmental term. 
Jesus left no doubt that this was what he was referring to by adding that he would give his family the keys or authority of his kingdom. We are to use this spiritual authority to teach and disciple all aspects of a willing nation's activities. God's ways and principles apply to all aspects of life. And just as a family and an ecclesia are very different, we are defined by other contrasting comparisons. We're a flock of sheep, but we're also a convocation of eagles. We're the bride of Christ, loving, honoring, worshiping him, but we're also his soldiers, wrestling with principalities and powers, enforcing his victory at Calvary. We're his body, fellowshipping with, caring for, feeding one another. We're also his voice, wielding his sword, releasing decrees, binding and loosing. We're farmers, harvesting souls according to Mark 16, reaping the bumper crop of revival. We're ambassadors, representing the will of God as we disciple nations, according to Matthew 28, reforming them to his ways and principles. We must know when to wear our family hat and when to wear our ecclesia hat. One must relate to family far differently than they do to those outside the home. Also, some will be assigned to wear one hat more than the other. Just because your family unit, your congregation, or your broader affiliation, such as a movement or denomination, is more mo motivated towards soul winning, Mark 16, don't judge those who are called more to spiritual warfare and other ecclesia-related activities. It should also be obvious that our level of maturity will determine our activities. Only when children mature into adulthood are they qualified to perform certain activities and operate in certain levels of authority. The same is true in God's family. We're all heirs of God, but we must mature until we can partner with God. Heirs of God versus partnering with God. The first involves benefits, the latter responsibilities. Everyone in God's family should at some point be capable of representing him in the full authority of his ecclesia. If that doesn't occur, they've not been truly discipled. The above passage in Romans 8 that refers to heirs of God, that we're all heirs of God, Romans 8, 17. The above passage in Romans 8 contrasts children and sons. It tells us that all of God's children, technon is the word, are heirs of his blessings, regardless of their age or maturity. But it also says his fully matured sons, huios, 
That's the meaning of weos, not just sons, but the word means fully matured. So it's fully matured sons. These are capable of being led by his spirit. Not just heirs, but they can be led by his spirit. In that time and culture, when a child matured to the weos stage of adulthood or sonship, he was entrusted with the family affairs and business. The father would actually conduct a public ceremony in which he would say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was his statement to the community that the child was now a son and was being given full authority to do business in his name. This is what Father God was doing at Christ's baptism when he spoke those words. He was declaring Christ's sonship. Isaiah prophesied, unto us a child is born, but unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, on the son's shoulders. Father God was publicly declaring that it was now time for his son, Yeshua, to be released into his full authority and ministry. He was authorizing Jesus to represent him, to speak for him in his name. Creation, Romans 8 again. Creation is not waiting, groaning and waiting for God's children, his kids. Creation is waiting for God's fully matured sons and daughters. Those who are led by his spirit, who know his ways and can be trusted with greater authority. Children reap the benefits. Sons are given authority and responsibility. It is they who can be trusted with the full authority of Christ's kingdom, enabling them to bring healing and transformation to the nations of earth. Matthew 28. This is the church, the ecclesia Jesus is building. Let's pray. Father, we agree together today for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to increase, giving us a greater understanding of our assignment to represent you on earth. We are your family and we are your kingdom representatives, your ecclesia. We increase and multiply your family for you. It is profound, almost incomprehensible that you would entrust us with such a responsibility and privilege. You also train and disciple nations through us. We must have this increase of wisdom, and revelation in order to understand and embrace these assignments more fully. 
We also need them in order to accomplish these things at higher levels of authority and effectiveness. Most believers have little understanding of this role, these roles and responsibilities. They believe life is about temporal things, but so few see its significance through the lens of eternity. Please help us change this. We ask for this new level of maturity. Bring enlightenment, revelation, understanding. We call forth this great outpouring of your spirit you've promised. This will not only win people to you, but also create the awakening and reformation of the church. Do this here and around the world, we pray. In Christ's name. And our decree today is, we declare that the coming revival will be blessed with great wisdom and revelation. We thank you for this. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me. We're going to do one more session on this tomorrow. We're going to talk about Christ and the different facets of his nature as he relates to us, as his family, as his ecclesia. You will find it fascinating. I'll see you then.